This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, right here, 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And we're talking about communists, capitalists, and everything in between. But let me tell you, there's there's a, a video that's going around all over social media, and it's a, a bunch of communists that are marching in the streets of Brooklyn, New York, New York City uh, has been a hotbed for communism for a long time. A lot of people don't agree with that. They think it's just the Red Scare and that, you know, it's a handful of people, but it's not a majority. And I, I would agree it's a minority, but they're there and they've been there for a long time. Matter of fact, they had a huge communist rally in Madison Square Garden back in the early 1900s. And this is uh, nothing new, but it's kind of odd to see a bunch of red clad communists marching in the streets of Brooklyn down Atlantic Avenue, you know, chanting all sorts of uh, communist revolutionary slogans. But that was the scene that happened just a day or two ago earlier this week. And I think we have a clip of that audio. Listen to this. sure if you can hear it, but they're cheering. There is only one solution, communist revolution. Then a little bit later, they start uh, shouting um, something else. It sounded uh, like uh, they were shouting for an intifada. And it was just very crazy, the things that we hear nowadays. But this group, um, they were marching in Brooklyn, New York, and um, they're holding a banner says Revolutionary Communists of America. They're launching a new political party. Now, this is different from the New York State Communist uh, Political Party or what they call CPUSA, Communist Party USA of New York. This is uh, in addition to, it's also in addition to the DSA, the Democrat Socialists of America. But it's a big red banner with a hammer and a sickle on it and a bunch of people holding these uh, red flags with hammers and sickles, which again is not typical of every communist out there. A lot of them are more coded in their um, approach to things. You know, they'll, they'll hide behind socialism and try to make you out to be the bad guy, the evil imperialist capitalist pig. Huh. Anyway, um, this was um, what happened, right? So we've got these guys. Let me see, just to give you a little bit of uh, the, the march in Brooklyn. It's not an isolated incident, uh, but really it's a reflection of a longstanding tradition of political activism within the city. And uh, again, this is a piece by Salman Khan in um, BNN News, drawing uh, parallels to the 1964 World's Fair, uh, which was uh, organized by CORE, the Congress of Racial Equality. It, that was a big difference, right, uh, from Roy Innes and uh, a bunch of black Americans that were looking for liberty and trying to even the playing field compared to what we're seeing today with a bunch of communists, mainly white. Now, some are saying that this group was a bunch of uh, Russians and it was a more, more of a pro-Russian group than it was a pro-communist group. All I can tell you is 
what the banners said and what they were shouting. And their website is socialistrevolution.org. And they're all over the place. They, um, they're out here. They're all over the issues. Israel, Palestine, a revolutionary way forward. 2023 Phoenix Marxist School. They've got schools to train you to become a Marxist. It says a communist movement is being born. They got a YouTube video out here. They got more. They got a podcast they want you to subscribe to. Uh, they talk about the Stalinist uh, degeneration of the Comintern Part 3. It's one of the videos that they launched on July 4th. And, I mean, this is a lot of stuff here. It says, love and the decay of capitalism. And um, if you want to be um, informed, check out their website. Now, I'm not promoting this website or what they do, but I want you to see it for yourself to realize that there are people in America, and it's not as small and as fringe as people think. I think it's still a minority of people. But these people, you know, they legitimately greet each other saying, comrade this and comrade that hello comrade and, and again those things are insignificant but it goes to show you the culture of communism is alive and well in 2024 in brooklyn new york now some of you listening are saying well rich come on it's new york new york city's you know a hotbed for crazy people like kathy hochel and uh, eric adams and all the rest of chuck schumer the rest of the crazy aoc all out crazy our least favorite congresswoman from the bronx and queens alexandria ocasio-cortez and I agree that All Out Crazy is um, a sympathizer of the communists. But that doesn't mean that this isn't coming to a neighborhood near you, right? Now, maybe if you live in, uh, in, a, in a very conservative area, maybe it's not coming near you. But trust me, you'll feel the effects one way or the other, just like everybody else feels the effects of these policies, these collectivist policies, that ultimately they drown out the idea of individual responsibility. They, they villainize the notion of entrepreneurship and bringing yourself up uh, by your own work, your hard work, your bootstraps, that type of thing, uh, that goes out the window because they believe in collectivism. They believe in, in organizing workers. They believe that it's the owner of the company that is the, the oppressor and it's the worker that's oppressed. And instead of advocating that the worker can become an owner as well, they just want you to own a piece of what the owner already built saying, you know, this is what we do. The, um, owning the means of production, forget about owning the company, but you own your labor. You own the means of production. Now, listen, I think you own your labor too. That's why you get paid for it. Right. I come on the air. I, I say words, I get paid for my words and, and that's it. Uh, if I want to own a radio station, I could get into that business. If if I want to become a network, I can get into that business too, if I can get in. But it's not my goal. And and, and that's my point. I feel that the, the organizing that we've seen that the communists have done for, for many years has always focused on hating those that have succeeded before us, hating those who have put in the effort, who've put in the, the groundwork, and then hired employees to work. You don't have to take the job. You can choose to open your own business. You don't have to be somebody else's employee. But if you choose to, that's your choice, and you've done that. It doesn't make the person offering you the job a bad person. And I've never been offered a job by a broke person. So when they say that the rich are bad and they're evil and imperialist and this and that, uh, you know, all I could say is I sympathize a lot more with the idea of capitalism than I do with the idea of communism. But all of that being said, 
there's a lot more to this than the the economic portion of of communism, right? There's the the Marxist approach that they take in their application of culture and how they apply it to the culture, and cultural Marxism is a big thing that I think many people learned during the Chinese uh, Cultural Revolution. The Marxists took over, Chairman Mao and and the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, and they they affected everything. I should say infected everything from the way they taught people to the way they retaught people with re-education camps. What could be said, what couldn't be said? Was religion a thing uh, that was allowed or was it taboo? Obviously, it was outlawed. Procreation was something that was outlawed for a long time and still under massive control. Because communism is about control. As long as they can control you, they can equalize you. And they can put this focus today. They call it equity, but they used to call it equality, right? This radical egalitarianism where everybody had to be worth the same amount. Everybody had to get paid the same amount. Everybody was radically equal to the other. And while our rights may be equal and we may have the equality of opportunity, it's never guaranteed that we're going to have equal outcomes. When we talk about equality, it's never about me being as successful as you or you being as successful as me or me being as broke as you or you being as broke as me. Everybody has their lot in life. Everybody has a shot. That's what the American dream is all about. And that's exactly what the communists don't like. The fact that some can do well and others don't. They want to even out the playing field and make it for the least common denominator so that everybody becomes the least common denominator. That's not cool. And we're going to talk about that right now with our guest, uh, she's written a book on Chairman Mao and her experience growing up in communism following the cultural uh, um, revolution. And let me tell you, quite a story. And uh, you probably saw her on the news a couple of years ago in 2021. She went to a school board meeting and sounded off and said, look, I, I escaped uh, communist China and I'm seeing here what what I saw over there. And since then, she's been um, really, really engaged in her activism, and I'm happy that she's on to talk about her book. So keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez. If you listen to my nightly radio program on hundreds of stations across the country, you may have heard this interview this week. If not, I'm bringing you the best clips of it right now. So keep it locked right here with me, Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez. And I want to uh, introduce Xi Van Fleet. Xi Van Fleet is the author of the new book, Mao's America, A Survivor's Warning. And this warning is so important today because we see an open border. We see the, the change in our education system. We see the change in our media. We're seeing changes all over our culture. And those that have experienced this type of revolution in the past see the Marxist fingerprints all over it. And many of us have had the benefit of being born in this country where we just don't see it and we're just thinking we're in a difficult time. But those that have seen this stuff before, they can smell it coming a mile away. And somebody that's written a book about Mao's America and and has added her own survivor's warning is she Van Fleet. And she's here with us to tell us about the book, but more importantly, about the warning for America. 
Gee Van Fleet, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, tell us a little bit about your story. Where were you born and what did you experience? Um, I was born 10 years after the founding of the so-called New China, the CCP's China. So I was born in 1959. And when I was uh, seven, the culture revolution started. That was 1966. And my life, along with everybody's life in China, was turned upside down. And that culture revolution destroyed uh, Chinese culture, basically. Yeah. And because it's called uh, um, culture revolution, it destroyed our economy. It destroyed lives for millions. And uh, in the process, about 20 million people lost their lives. When it was all over in 1976, when Mao died, China was really in the brink of total collapse. And, and, and when he died, I was only 17. And uh, I was in the countryside uh, receiving my so-called re-education from the peasants after I graduated from high school in 1975. So I stayed in the countryside for three years before I could go to college when college was finally opened. And so eventually I was able to get education and was given a job teaching in a teacher's, uh, teacher's training college. Eventually was able to get, uh, uh, to get to America to pursue my graduate, graduate study. So that's my just, you know, short, brief description of what happened. Right. But that's a long story to, 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 to tell the story, what, what I experienced, what I saw during that 10 years of cultural revolution. Folks, we're on with Xi Van Fleet. She experienced the cultural revolution, and she's written a book called Mao's America, A Survivor's Warning. Now, Xi Van Fleet, tell us a little bit about why you decided to write this book. What was it that you saw and are seeing now in America? Just like your intro, beautiful introduction, um, when you experience something and uh, you see it happen again, you, you, you recognize right away. And that's exactly what happened uh, to me or people like me, not just people from, uh, from China who experienced cultural revolution and, and everybody who lived uh, through communism say the same thing. And I, I, I talked to a lot of them and because it's the same playbook and it, it is absolutely um, a way to control people, to divide people and control people. And, uh, and that's the essence of uh, the uh, and communism is control everybody, not just um, the property that they took away. You probably just control what you can have, um, but also control what you can think and what you can say. And, uh, and that's exactly what's going on today in America. So it's yeah. the same thing. It's the same playbook. Oh, I agree. Tell, tell me a little bit about what, what did you see happening uh, back home in China specifically, and, and how do you relate that to some of the things that are happening in America today? Um, many, many things, of course. And one of them is uh, uh, political identity. 
And so here we, we, we know that very well. We all have an identity and some based on um, class, some based on race. Basically, race is the most important uh, identity one can have. But there's more, right? We know that intersectionality. There's so many things that can be part of your identity. The more intersection uh, sectionality you have, the more a victim you are. Um, and that, to a lot of people, that's just um, a way of life in America, but it's not always the case. I came here in 1986. I saw everything went from bad to worse, but that's nothing new because in China, in Mao's China, we had the same thing. It is based on class instead of race. So I, I think when you will contact me, you refer to the post, uh, the uh, tweet that I posted. Yes. It's about land reform. And that was a very important political campaign. And that's what took place in 1949 to 1951, because that actually created the model for political campaign. And that the, um, the others followed. And during Mao's 27 years of reign, he launched more than 50 political campaigns. But it's the last one is the Cultural Revolution. But they all based on the same model, which started in the land reform. So they divided people. It is during the land reform, they divided people into two classes, black class and red class. And I think you can kind of figure out what it means. Red are the allies of the revolution, the, the, the good right. ones. And black is the enemy of the people or enemy of the state. Who are they? They're the landowners, property owners. <laughs> so, that's and that's funny. something that was foreign to uh, the Chinese people back then. The class, that's just not something they're familiar with. So right. how, do you, yeah, how, how, how do you make them get into this uh, uh, campaign? You educate them. You indoctrinate them. And so, and so they send a work team to help them to understand that you are poor, not because you are poor, um, that's your fault. You are poor because someone was rich. And so that, that, that rich person was the reason you are poor. And so, and, and then the, the, you know, the video I posted, you could see that they get activists to really, um, to train them, to coach them, and to, um, uh, and then and get them to lead the others to join uh, the campaign. And that's what's going on today here. And yeah. how, how do you get people to understand it, um, that uh, we are really um, here, uh, we are a um, racist country, right? We, 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 the, the Americans are, are, are racist. And they, they, instead of uh, saying that the original thing is wealth, like in China, here the original thing is whiteness. So in order to help people to understand this, we have DEI, do we? We have DEI in pro pretty much most of the institutions. And what they do, they do trainings. They help people to understand that whiteness is the problem. Just like uh, you know, during the land reform that the parents were taught 
wealth was the problem. And uh, so anyway, I, I think that is part of the parallels right. that that most people don't understand. But to people who experienced it, it's, it's just very obvious. familiar. Right. And, you know, yes. Fleet, when you say that they pair them up with activists, I feel like we see that every day in our media because the media has become the activist for for the uh, the the party that embraces Marxism in our political system. Folks, we're on with she Van Fleet and she's written a book, Mao's America, a Survivor's Warning. And we're discussing how the use of Mark, uh, Marxist tactics to divide and indoctrinate and deceive and coerce uh, are alive and well in America the same way they were during her time in China during the Chinese Cultural Revolution. All right, America, we're on with Xi Van Fleet, and this is a riveting conversation. We're definitely going to continue it straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And we continue our discussion with Xi Van Fleet. She's author of Mao's America, A Survivor's Warning. And she lived through the horrors of the Chinese Cultural Revolution as a schoolgirl, forced to the countryside with other Chinese uh, for re-education after high school. And then she later escaped communism and found freedom and a new life in America. Shi Van Fleet, tell us what that was like. How did you get out of China and what was your journey to the United States like? Well, after I graduated from high school, as I said, I was sent to the countryside. So finally, after Mao died, um, his successor, Deng Xiaoping, uh, knew that... Uh, um, he has to do something. Otherwise, CCP and the whole China were bankrupt and were, were you know, on pretty much on its deathbed. So he decided to reform. And by opening China up, but also, also by opening universities during the Cultural Revolution, everything was closed, uh, including universities. So I was able to go to school, to college, at the age of 19, which was not too bad. So, because I was sent to the countryside when I was only 16. Um, so I was lucky that I did not miss the opportunity for a lot of uh, young Red Guards. They, they were just too old to go to college. So after that, I was uh, given the job teaching in a teacher's college. And eventually I was able to get assistantship and come to America in 1986. Wow. And did you experience a hardship in, in your journey here, or was it a pretty smooth um, transition from China to America? Well, it's a culture shock, definitely. And uh, there's a lot of learning to do. And um, I, did, did, I did describe in my book, and one of the things that's facing me is uh, choices. And never had much choice in China. I was told what to do, and I was allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. So I never had to choose. And coming here, and that was overwhelming, that everything I do, I have a choice. 
and including taking classes in the uh, in, in in college. Mm-hmm. Um, that was new to me. You know, I was just when I was in college, we were giving this many courses, and that's it. You know, there, there, there's no choices, and so everything was a um, a choice. So actually, freedom to a enslaved person can be overwhelming. And I yeah. always say, communism is free, uh, is slavery. And so, and I have a lot of uh, you know justice to uh, uh, adjustment to do, but also. I have to say, to understand freedom is not automatic. Just because I came to America, just because I have freedom, uh, did not mean that I understand it. And so thinking back, you know, when I came here, I thought I left communism behind me. I think there's just nothing I need to worry about. I mean, America, what can go wrong? So I did not pay much attention to politics. I did go to vote in presidential election every time, uh, but not really understand the issues. And I feel like um, that's beyond me and I don't have to worry about it. When I, Until I start to see things kind of uh, bothersome, some, some, some um, alarming signs here or there, and political correctness was the first thing I noticed. That here in America, we were taught or told that hmm. we could see that uh, we could not see this or could not see that. Uh, there was one correct way of saying certain things, and there was one correct way of thinking. And it just reminds me of the Cultural Revolution. And uh, gradually, I feel like I need to understand why there is a why there is a freedom here. And so I would say, not that long ago, probably 15 years ago, I started to to read more books about the history of America and to understand what freedom is really is. Do you know that just two days ago, um, and there was a video going viral of some journalist complaining in the, in, in, at, I don't know, CNN or MSNBC, that there's some people, some far right people think that their rights are from, uh, from their creator, not from Congress. <laughs> did, did you know that? Hang on right there, because we actually have the clip of audio that you're talking about, and we're going to play it right when we come back. Don't go anywhere. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. Christian nationalist is very different, mm-hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. She Van Fleet, do you believe that, that we have folks in the media that are decrying this? Again, this uh, particular clip that you're hearing right now is from, let's see, what's her name again, just to make sure I don't mess up, Heidi Prisbola on MSNBC. Uh, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts is that that's why we're in trouble today. That it took me so long to understand why we have the freedom. And uh, because we ha- our freedom is not from the government that I experienced in China. And it's from our creator. So it, no one can take it away. And, and, and in China, the government 
give you something, allow you something, they can always take it away. And they do that all the time. And so today we have journalists in a major um, news media talking about that our rights are from the government. So that is why America is in trouble, because our educational and the media, our educational system and media has been indoctrinated the, uh, in the, the, uh, the students for generations. And that's why we have people like that. They absolutely think like a communist. They think like a slave. <laughs> that was yeah. shocking. That is shocking. Well, Xi Van Fleet, you are a gentlewoman, a scholar, and a patriot. I thank you for this work that you've done in this amazing book, Mao's America, A Survivor's Warning. And I thank you for being here. And uh, amigos, I want to just underscore this because I think it's so important that we pay attention. I'm not asking you to become a communist or an anti-communist or anything in between. I want you to be whoever you want to be. I believe in freedom. I believe in liberty. I believe in an open mind. But I will say this. I think it's important that we recognize the symptoms. We have to be able to see things and identify it as such. I don't think it's a good idea for us to get caught up in cultural axioms, idioms, and norms without knowing what they are. For example, so much of any revolution, whether it was the revolution, the communist revolution that uh, we saw in Cuba, or the communist revolution that they saw in Venezuela, or anywhere else, there are certain elements that are the same. They take over education. They start um, unionizing and organizing in labor, right? This has been a stronghold of the communists for a very long time. And whether it's the commies that are walking through Brooklyn, New York, or anyone else, I think it's, it's important that you don't write it off. You don't say, well, what's so bad? If you, I, listen, if you want to say what's so bad about communism, that's fine. Because ultimately, you're going to have to figure out what's so bad about it. But I think the bigger issue here is that you don't write it off as as if we'll never see a dictator in our country, because we won't. We're not going to see a Castro emerge in the United States. We're not even going to see a Justin Trudeau. We'll see an American communist, right? Uh, An Americanized form of Marxism that uh, the great one Mark Levin writes extensively about in his book, American Marxism. And it's important to know what Marxism looks like in America because it comes wrapped in capitalism. It comes wrapped in the American flag, even though it's being manipulated, even though it's being usurped when it comes to the liberty and, and our constitution and everything that we stand for. And it's a slow fade. And that's why it's so important to just recognize what it is. I'm not saying that every union member and every union organizer is a communist sympathizer. I'm not saying that. I am saying that you just have to know this stuff. You have to, or I highly recommend that you study it, you pay attention to it, and that you realize that people are better off when they focus on their liberty. Ultimately, we're not better off when we focused on this collectivist approach. I think individualism is really what sets this country apart. It's what allows us to, to, to shine, to, to, to win, ultimately, right? Um, and it's, it's that key differentiator where that's liberty. I mean, the ultimate, the ultimate 
underscore of liberty is our economic system, our capitalist system, as Marx called it. The fact that we can own our labor, that we can sell it for whatever we want to sell it for. And if we don't want to sell it to you, the employer, I could sell it on my own and start my own business and just pay Uncle Sam and do what I want to do. That is the ultimate form of liberty. The ability for one to earn a living, to create wealth, to buy property, to have money, to take out a full page in the New York Times so that your speech can be heard. Of course, you can stand on a street corner and say whatever you want. Of course, you could go on social media, well, at least some social media, and say whatever you like. But ultimately, it's your ability to have that mobility. It's your ability to, to, to earn a living for yourself that I think is, is, is freedom in its truest form. And without that, where are we? So ultimately, here's the thing. We will be faced with lots of decisions in life. We're going to see capitalism come our way. We're going to see uh, capitalism change and those try to move it into fascism and those trying to move it into communism and all sorts of other isms along the way. And I'm not saying that this is a defense of capitalism per se, This is a defense of liberty. This is a defense of America. This is a defense of our lives and our lifestyles as we know them and trying to maintain them for our children, a status quo that we can hold on to and pass on to them and to our our, our future generations. And if we don't, we can't. And that's it. It's as simple as it gets. So when we look at an administration like the Biden administration and we see, uh, you know, Avowed communists like uh, Dr. Richard Cloward and his wife, Dr. Uh, Francis Fox Pivens, uh, who are famous for the Cloward-Piven method of overwhelming a system, using the system to destroy the system. We're seeing that happen at the border. It's overwhelmed. They described it when they taught about it. They described it as doing this to disrupt the welfare system by just, you know, bum-rushing it, and then it would break. And the idea of breaking it is because they wanted to make it easier, right? And that's what they're doing here. If you bum-rush the system, you no longer have an immigration backlog. Now you have total mobility. You can be a citizen of one country and come here and get your way. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking to come here and say, no, no, no. We are going to open up the doors, and you're going to be able to come here and, and have a path. These are magic words, right? Pathway to citizenship. That's what they want. Once you have this pathway to citizenship, now you have people that can vote. Now you have new voters. Now you have power. Right In politics, you need to move people or you need to move money. One of those two are the commodities that give you power in the political game. And this is how they're securing their power, by moving people. So we have to stay focused on those symptoms. Anyway, I could ramble about this stuff for days. But I'll do that next time. Hasta la próxima. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And remember, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do absolutely nothing. So now's the time to stand up and do something. America needs you more now than she's ever needed you before. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.